The Lord has um, many churches throughout the world, and he could have allowed us to be born anywhere, and yet he had me be born in the, the household of a pastor and his wife, and so that would be kind of the, the cop-out testimony of how the Lord knit my heart together uh, with this particular church body. And I would just encourage you, if, if this is your home church, or maybe the Lord has called you to another church, to think about that testimony of how the Lord has knit your heart together in the church where he's called you to be. Um, so growing up in this church and um, just longing for, for the Lord to use me and to be part of his work, I've always kind of struggled with that sense of belonging, though, for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like middle kid syndrome or like only girl. I don't know what it is. But I think it's just the way that the Lord uses that desire um, to be home with him and that reminder that I belong to him and to let that be enough. But one of the ways that the Lord really knit my heart together with this fellowship and with the ladies' ministry here was actually in a moment of, of, um, of just not feeling well. I almost feel silly talking about it because it wasn't a serious illness. It was just a season in my life that um, it was very stressful. And so just physically I was weak and, and it was embarrassing. And I didn't want to talk about it with anyone. And um, it affected me spiritually, it affected me mentally. It was just a very dark place for me. And during that time, our ladies' Bible study was going through Mark. And in chapter 5, verses 18 through 19, it says, And when he, Jesus, got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him, Jesus, that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And these verses, when I think of how many people Jesus went to and said, come and follow me, and you come be with me, and he would tell them, don't tell anyone of what I've done for you. And here you have this guy who's been delivered, and all he wants to do is be with Jesus, right? And, and at times, that's where I find my heart. I'm like, forget this world, forget these people, forget this nation, forget everything. I just want to be with Jesus. And he does not permit it. He says, no, you go and tell your friends and your family how Christ has had compassion on you. So in that season of my life where um, I was just struggling with not feeling well physically and all these other things, the Lord kept putting on my heart that the way out of this is by pouring into others. It's by loving on them. It's by telling them in your weaknesses how the Lord has had compassion on you that they might be encouraged. So I don't know what, what trial or circumstance you find yourself in, or maybe you don't really feel like, Lord, is this really my home church or wherever it is that you're called? I don't really know if I belong here. And, and the Lord just wants you to love on others and to tell them how he's had compassion on you. So many ladies. You guys look so beautiful. Um, I'm really privileged to be here with you all today. And um, as I was thinking about the theme knit together, it took me back to when I was a little girl. My grandma on my dad's side, she used to knit these beautiful dresses for ladies. And um, 
She did it by hand. She also knit by machine. And it was like her little small business. And I remember as a child visiting her many times. And she would just spend hours and hours on one project just to get it right. She would look, you know, she, it was funny because she had one eye. <laughs> She's so cute. Because <laughs> she lost her eye in an accident. But she saw more with that good eye than a lot of people with two eyes. <laughs> and she was so careful and she would look at it. And she was so excited to finally present it to her customers. A lot of times they would ask her to make it for like a wedding or a special occasion. And they would send her pictures sometimes of them wearing it and she would display the pictures in her apartment. And it was really sweet and I, I said, what a beautiful picture of what the Lord is doing in us. He's knitting us together. Ladies, the Lord is coming for his bride who will be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. But as we wait on him, he wants to knit us together. And the process takes time, but he knows what the end result will be to conform us to the image of his son. He does not grow tired or weary. Philippians 1.6 tells us that being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And Jude tells us that he is able to keep us from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So for me, the process of being knit together with my family in Christ was the same. It has happened over time, and it continues to happen as he is not finished with me, for sure. <laughs> there are so many moments I could share where God has used my sisters in the Lord to draw me closer to him. Um, but here are some highlights, a couple. So early in 1998, when we came to Calvary Chapel, Miami, we were very blessed by the teaching of God's word. But mostly we just came and left on Sundays. And as the Lord called us to a deeper walk with him, he guided us to serve in various ministries over the years where we were able to share our lives with those that we served with. We prayed together, we cried together through trials, and we watched God answer countless prayers. So on one occasion, I was able to serve alongside a dear sister in a VBS. And she's here today, actually. And we set up a manger in Bethlehem in a small room in 67th Avenue. I'm not a crier. And okay. <laughs> um, through weeks of working together, we shared our lives. She was praying about starting to homeschool her kids. And as a family, we have been homeschooling for a few years. And the Lord used that time, those weekends of working together to knit us together. Also, when my brother was ill and he passed away, so many of my sisters were there to support us. I remember the night of the funeral, there was a ladies' Bible study. And to my surprise, many of the ladies came after the study. Many brought their families. They went home, got their families, and came. And it was such a huge outpouring of love for me and my family. It was really like feeling the hands of the Lord. And I could go on, but I know that what knits us together is not just the things we may have in common, like homeschooling or love of coffee, which I share with many of you. <laughs> but, but I also am okay with tea and sparkling water, so I'm equal opportunity. <laughs> um, but really, it's the foundation of Jesus in our lives that unites us and allows God to use those relationships to draw us closer to him and to be an encouragement, really, to one another. So I encourage you, if you don't feel knit together yet, 
just be still in his presence and trust him as he leads you to step out in faith in your commitment to him. Remember that we are his workmanship, his poem, created for good works that he has prepared for us to walk in. As you obey his voice, he will do that work in your life. Amen. So now go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2. And I have the joy and privilege of introducing someone else that the Lord has just in my heart in such a sweet way, not just spiritually, but also as family. Um, she's a mom, she's a wife, she's going to be a grandma soon. So let's welcome Miss Ipsia Vega. Wow, it's a little scary from here. <laughs> That's the best introduction I ever had. I'm gonna be a grandma. <laughs> I am so excited, I can't wait. And talking about grandmas, and uh, Miss uh, Terry spoke about her grandma, shared about her grandma. My grandmother also used to knit. She used to knit lots of uh, tapestries, you know, to put in the coffee tables. And I remember she did a dress for me, not when I was a baby, when I was like a little girl, like I remember the dress. And, um, and you know, she, she taught me how to do this when I was really, really young. And you don't forget, it's amazing, you don't really forget. I, I picked it up just recently, and um, you know, I didn't buy the right size um, needle, so I still have to work on it, but I know that I can do it again. And um, this is the thing about this, tapestries that you see in about knitting. Uh, one string is, can be broken, but three-fold cord cannot be easily broken, says Ecclesiastes, right? We had see that in, in Ecclesiastes, and I don't know how to pronounce that in English, but in Spanish, it's Ecclesiastes, okay? <laughs> so, uh, and, and we see that, um, that there is strength in unity. And the body of Christ is supposed to be united. And Pastor Zach today shared how, you know, the enemy wants to divide us. And why? Because there is strength in unity. And we need to be united. We need to be of one heart. We need to be of one mind. And our heart and our minds need to be in Jesus. He is that third, that third cord, you know. He is that that knits us together. So we need to be knit together, not just with each other, but in him, in Christ, right? So that is the beautiful thing about Colossians and the teaching here of Paul. Let us pray before I start, though, okay? Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. Lord, uh, fill me with your spirit and with your word. Lord, and uh, speak to each of the ladies here today, Lord God. They all have, Lord God, uh, circumstances, different circumstances. They find themselves in different places, spiritually, Lord God, emotionally, Lord God, and I pray that you meet them where they're at. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word is living, it's alive. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So in Colossians chapter two, and turn with me. We're going to start actually reading some verses from chapter 1. It's going to introduce chapter 2. In 1 verse um, 24, I'm going to say, let me see. 
I'm going to start in verse 24. It says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So you see that he rejoices in his suffering for the church of Colossae. And when we look at chapter 2, at the beginning, it says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you, and thus in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. This Paul here, he is like a father. He's a father or a mother, we're girls here, right, that prays for his children. The church is like his spiritual children. And he prays for them with great conflict, like a mother prays for a child, and when he sees that, maybe he has a bad friend that is influencing them. And that's what Paul is looking at here. He sees like the church is being influenced by these philosophies, by these religions. The philosophy of Gnosticism was coming into the church, you know? The knowledge, you need to know more. You, you know, the, the, yeah, it's okay to be a Christian, but you need... This, to learn about these other religions and these other philosophies. And that's what was infiltrating the church at the moment. So we see here that it saddens the heart of Paul and it concerns him, even though he doesn't know them. But these are his children. And we see that throughout all his letters, to all the letters that he writes to the Corinthians, to the Romans, to the Ephesians, to Colossians, to, La, you know, um, to the Philippians. To the Thessalonians, he is concerned for them. He writes to them, he warns them, like a good father does his children. And this is love, ladies. Because only a mom that prays for his kids is because they love them, right? Well, Paul loves the church. Paul loves his spiritual children, too. And what is, what is his prayer? His prayer is that their hearts may be encouraged and being knit together in love. Okay, so he's praying for them that their hearts will be encouraged, encouraged by the word of Christ, knit together in love. Paul's prayer is a sincere prayer. And I don't know about you, but when I'm going through any trial in my life and somebody gives me a call or I come to church and somebody says, you know, God put you in my heart and they give me a verse, I am encouraged. Because this doesn't really come from Paul. This comes from Jesus. It is Jesus in Paul who is concerned for his children. So it's really our Heavenly Father who is concerned for us. And when people pray for me and give me a verse and tell me, you know, I, was, I had a dream with you or, you know, this verse, the Lord, you know, and I was praying for you last night, I know that God is concerned for me. And God is concerned for you. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. And then it says, at this time, okay, in Laodicea, in Laodicea let me see here. Let's go. Um, oh, I, I wanted to share with you that I need to learn to pray like that for others. He had not met these people. He has never seen them, but he loves them. And he prays for them because they're his brother. They're his sisters in Christ. They are his children. So we need to pray like this. Not only for the people that we know. I pray like this for my children. I pray like this for people that I love. But that means that I need to love more. I need to love the church of Christ more and pray like that for missionaries, for people that I have never met. And I, 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 I was convicted 
by his prayer here, by his, this word, you know. And he says here, verse 2, right? Let's see, see the second part. It says, And attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know what Paul is telling the Colossians here? Don't go looking for knowledge anywhere else, because knowledge is in Christ. All the wisdom and all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And he says, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. So he's warning his children, don't be deceived. He says, for though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He doesn't want them to be deceived by Gnosticism. There was another one, Judaism. Oh, it's by works. Yes, you need to, you know, you believe in Christ, that's fine, but you need to do this. You can eat that. You can touch this. And it was rules and regulations. If you don't follow this, you know, you're not holy enough. And this is what Paul is saying. No, he's saying, don't let that deceive you. And he's, there was also mysticism, like we heard uh, Miss uh, Belkis say. The mysticism, oh, we have seen angels that gave us this other truth. There is no other truth. If it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. Okay? So we need to be careful with those things. And I, I quoted, I'm quoting that, I think, from a pastor that I've heard. Not my own quotes. But it's true. If it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. So remember that. We don't need new revelation of truth. What we need is a new experience in the established truth. Okay? God has given us all that we need for life, for a life of godliness. He has given it to us in his word. Here are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom. Okay? Knowledge. Why? Because he, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He is the word. And it's that word in you that has that wisdom, that has that knowledge, that gives us that wisdom and knowledge, okay? So our life needs to be centered in Jesus Christ. Just as we uh, sang, you know, be my source, be my hope. Our life needs to be centered in Jesus Christ. So it was Ecclesiastes 4.12, if you wanted to know the scripture that I was looking for, uh, that says, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A core of three strands is not quickly broken. And that's what knitting reminds me of, okay? Another example of being knit together, I remember Mrs. L taught about how the Romans, you know, the Romans used to form in combat, they used to have a formation. And this was also used by the Greeks, and they learned it. This involved the soldiers standing side by side and holding their, holding their shields, okay, just before contact with the enemy. That's another way we're knit together, in prayer. That's another way we, we can, why? Because we have an enemy, remember? In Ephesians 4.16, what does it tell? No, in Ephesians 6, you know, we have an enemy. We do not war against flesh and blood, right? We war against what? Against spiritual beings, about principalities, about um, 
let me let me find it for you <laughs> so i can quote it correctly but it is only as we pray enough as we are in jesus and we're knitted together that we can defeat the enemy if we're divided a house divided in itself it cannot stand jesus told us that right so we need to be in prayer don't be afraid to share when you're going through a temptation or through a problem or through a trial don't be ashamed share come up for prayer because that's where the battle is won if you isolate yourself you're going to be defeated god wants you to be knit together with the body of christ so that we can stand against this enemy okay so now there were false religions and false religions are based on works and the, the Christianity, our faith, is based on love. For God so loved the world, right? Our, our faith is, is amazing. It's like nothing else. It's based in the love that he gave his son for you, for me, so that if we believe in him, we would not perish but have everlasting life. So our faith is based on love, not based on works. Not based on knowledge either. That Gnostics wanted to say it was knowledge. That Judaism wanted to say it was works. You had to work for it. And then the mysticism was, oh, you have to have revelation. You have to have seen angels. You have to have seen visions. You have to have all this to. No, it is in Christ, in his word. That's where we need to be established. Let's go and read verse 3. In verse 3, it says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And says, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness. I was saying fatness. No fatness. Fatness is what I got after COVID. But as you know, it's fastness. <laughs> A steadfastness of your faith in Christ. I practiced this word earlier, and I still said fatness now. I don't know, something going on, but anyway, you know. So we see here, again, the heart of Paul and the heart of God. What is he doing? He's rejoicing, rejoicing that they're strong in their faith, rejoicing that they are, that they are a new church, that they are, you know, that they are growing in the Lord. And at the same time, he is warning them. When you love somebody, you know, you warn them too. If you have a little kid, you don't just let them cross the street, right? You hold them, you warn them, you tell them of the dangers. You tell them of the dangers of what a stranger can do to them. That's love. And this is love here too, as Paul shares with the church. Also, we see here, he says, um, here, so as we see here, we're going to see a lot of in. We see here, okay, it says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? In whom? In Jesus, right? And he says here also, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Again, rooted and built up in him. 
This is how we can walk in him. How? Rooted and built up in him. How do you walk in Christ? When you read his word, when you prayed, that's how you walk in him. Now, for salvation, Jesus plus zero is salvation. You are saved, right? And works are the fruit of your salvation. And as you understand that Jesus, that God gave his, his son for you, to die for you, so that you can enjoy this new life, as you, as you understand this, you're going to want to know him more. You want to know your Savior more. And it's not these rules and regulations that you have to wake up every morning at a certain time. No, you do it because now you have, you know, this hope in you and you want to know this Savior. Who is this man? This man that died for me, who is he? Why does, does he love me so much? Why, you know, how, where, where, well, how can I know him more? You want to know your Savior more. Now, it says here, that we need to be rooted and build up in him. I recently kind of picked up gardening. And I cannot plant trees because I don't have enough of a yard to plant trees. Uh, but I have a front yard, so I planted a, butter, a butterfly garden. So I'm planting flowers, you know. So I, I put these little seedlings there, and now they're they're, you know, they're sprouting. They, they're, they look really cute. They're really little like this. But, you know, I, I know I can't wait to see the flower, which is the fruit in a flower plant, right? So, but it's the roots that we need to have. Needs, I needed to put it in, a, in, in the soil that he told me to put in, in good soil. If I would have put these seedlings in, in, in rocks, they would not have sprout, you know? They, maybe they sprout, but then they dried up or in the middle of weeds, and I'm constantly weeding out. I'm constantly taking little weeds from around them. And this is what the Lord also is telling us. We need to be rooted in Christ. And just like weeds, these philosophies and these, um, and these uh, false religions were creeping into the church. But you know what I see nowadays? We're living in days where things are upside down, you know? Good is called evil, and evil is called good. And it's funny how it's presented because it can be deceiving unless you're rooted in the word of Christ, you know. Nowadays at work, I experienced something that I had never experienced before. We have more trainings about inclusiveness, diversity, and discrimination, and all of these things. We have so many trainings. And I'm like, but why so many? Another one? You know, it's like, oh, this day you have a meeting. It's about, blah, blah, and again, I'm like, oh, my goodness, how many are they going to give us? And they pride themselves on this. And I understand why, in, because they don't have the Lord. Like Ms. Belkis says, they need Christ. They need Jesus Christ. Without the Lord, we can't do nothing. We are, are going to be racist if we don't have Jesus. No matter how many discrimination trainings they give me or they give everybody, if I don't have Jesus Christ, we're going to be racist. That is sin, and we are sinners. And unless we repent and we know Jesus, we are going to be racist. Diversity, now they call diversity, and they call um, inclusiveness. And I had a lady, high rank in my company, lady in a very high position, share, started the meeting by saying that she was a uh, that she worked 
and that she she felt like she felt like having kids and having a husband was a disease because she was not treated equally because her boss wouldn't call her around dinner time at home or wouldn't call her to ask her questions around you know after hours and i was like I would really appreciate if my boss didn't call me during, like, I don't understand. I was so confused. And I was like, yes, because, you know, we all need to be treated equally. I needed to know, you know, about what was going on. And this is what you're training me about? I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure, you know. But our, the, the world is like that. The world is upside down. It's very confused, you know. What does the Lord tells us about moms? Our priorities need to be our husbands. Our priorities needs to be our kids. Our priorities needs to be our home. And yes, if you work outside the home, that's great. You know, go and work and be a witness for the Lord there. But our priority is your home. As a woman, it tells us in Titus, and again, I lost my notes already. I don't know where I am. But let me see if I find it. <laughs> In Titus 2, 3 to 5, it says, The older woman likewise, and I think Zach actually shared this scripture. I don't know if he said the scripture, but he shared this morning. The older woman likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, no slanderers, no given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young woman to love their husband, to love their children, to be discreet, oh, how we need that, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And I know I said obedient to their own husbands, and some of you are going, oh, if you only knew my husband, right? But you know what? It is in you being obedient to your husband, not because he is the greatest thing, not because he's the holiest of holy, not because he's Jesus, because your husband is not Jesus, okay? It's because you're obedient to the Lord. And when you're obedient to your husband because you're obedient to the Lord, the Lord will bless your home. And the Lord will, will, because he says it in his word, he will lift up your home. He will, your children are going to learn how to respect their dads, because they see your respect for that. And that's very important, and we lost it. We have lost that in our societies, like Zach was sharing. Now we look at social media and all everywhere else, you know, to find this, uh, how to raise kids and how to be a wife and how to be a mom. We need to look at our grandmas, look at our moms. And you know what else this lady at my company said? She said, we need to get those thoughts that our mothers and our grandmothers used to teach us. And I was like, really? I, am, I was so shocked, you know? And this is what you are being taught at work. You're being taught this in schools. Your children, are, these are, this is the generation that is growing up right now. This is what they're teaching. We need to, this is the, they are probably, I'm, I'm pretty sure that she's from like a woman movement or something like that, you know? And, that's fine. But, you know, we are in Christ. And it's in him that you're going to find wisdom. In him, you're going to find knowledge. And how do I need knowledge, right? Wisdom is what to do, but knowledge is how to do it. The Lord tells you how to do it. And then that's, guess what? 
is hidden in Jesus. And then here it says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ, says verse 8. And we see here on verse 7 that he says, right, that we need to be rooted and built up in him, that we need to walk in him. And this is why, because we have an enemy. The enemy comes with philosophy, with empty deceit, with tradition of men according to the principles of the world. This is not me saying it's right here. The Lord knows. Isn't all the knowledge in him? You see how he knows that these things are going to come to us? So he's warning us. He says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, it says. And you are complete in him. Ladies, don't go seeking anywhere else. You are complete in him. In Jesus, that is who he is. Who is the head of all principality and power. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made not, made without hands, by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Did you see how many times Paul is saying, Jesus is the center. He is, is in him, ladies. And if everything the wisdom is found in him, you know, and we were buried with him. That means that our sin was buried with him in baptism. And it says, in which you also were raised with him, right? That's, that's what baptism means. Baptism is a symbol. It's not that your sins are forgiven because you get baptized, and if you don't get baptized, your sins are not forgiven. No. You are forgiven because Jesus died for you in the cross. But when you get baptized, it says, if you're, um, you're demonstrating that you bury your old self and you are raised in a new life. It's a symbol. You're telling the world, you know what? I'm giving up my old self and I'm being made new. I'm being raised in him. And it says, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. It says, having forgiven all your trespasses. Don't we love forgiveness? It's found in him. Okay? And then here, he nailed it to the cross. Amazing grace, right? It's a gift. Again, Jesus plus zero equals salvation. It's a gift. He, what he gave? All for love that Father gave. I, rem I love that song, you know? All I need is him. And guess what? He lives in me. He lives in you. So all this treasure, all this wisdom, all this knowledge lives in us. Isn't that amazing? That is, that is I don't know, I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it because God is amazing. He lives in us. He, 
You see, these people can do a lot of trainings about how to be, you know, not offensive, how to tell people, you know, um, how to treat people the correct way because, you know, they train you, HR trains you at work with all those things and be inclusive, you know, don't leave anybody out and let everybody speak, whatever, you know. But the minute that, a, that, that you pull a little string on them, they start cursing, they lose it. They lose it because they don't have him and we have him and he is the power of the holy spirit in you and jesus in us is what gives us the power to live this life that the world can only dream of that the world has to constantly be giving trainings for because they you know they can't do it we can't do it alone we need to be in him in his word we need to be in him it always reminds me of that movie cinderella Remember the stepmother? She's giving these lessons, these piano lessons to the stepsisters. And, you know, they, they, then they start fighting and they go, control, self-control, she goes to them. And then Cinderella comes knocking on the door and she, and she bangs the piano. She goes, yes, you know. <laughs> and that's the world. The world is saying, self-control, self-control. And the minute that you pull a little string on them, they go, yes. And they start <laughs> cursing, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, you know. So they lack the power of the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus. We have this treasure. Seek him. You know, pray. Read your Bibles. Let the Lord fill you with his Holy Spirit. Let him work through you. It's not us. It's him working through us. It wasn't Paul here that had the heart to pray for the church. It was God using Paul and praying through Paul, praying for all these churches. And when God puts somebody in your heart, you know, it's God. And when somebody tells you that they pray for you, if I tell you I pray for you, please don't say, oh, thank you, oh, she's so holy. No, it's not me. It's Jesus. Jesus put your name in my heart to pray for you. And it's him who's praying for you. He just wanted to let you know. So if you're going through a circumstance and somebody shares a verse with you, it is Jesus who put that verse there for you. He wanted you to know that he's thinking of you. And I love that about our Lord I don't know how much time I have. Okay, good. Okay, so now we go to verse 13. Sorry, I lost my time. No, we are in verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So, in what? In the cross. That's where Jesus triumphed over these powers and principalities. He triumphed because he defeated the enemy. He, was, he ro rose again. He didn't stay there. Yes, he was nailed to the cross, but he rose again. So he triumphed uh, you know, over the principalities and all these powers. So let no one judge you in food or in drink. Please don't tell me that I eat too much bread. I love bread, <laughs> you know? Sorry. Just a little thing, just one of those little things. Anybody who knows me knows my family is a bread family. We love the bread. So let no one judge you in food and drink, he says, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. 
these which are shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. This was talking about Judaism. Judaism wanted to bring the rules and the regulations and the traditions of Judaism. You know, you need to do this and you need to do that. And he says, you're free. And he who Christ said free, my friends, is free indeed. He is that way, the truth and the life. He says, let no one see you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. You know who has been in heaven? Jesus. You know who has seen angels? Jesus. You know who has been, who is seated next, you know, at the right side of the Father? Jesus. Nobody else. Don't let anybody come with this mysticism that they saw a new revelation. There is no new revelation. Jesus, remember that. If anything from this teaching you need to remember, it's in him. Remember those two little words, in him. You don't need more knowledge. You want knowledge? It's in him. Okay? You want to know about heaven? It's in him. He, read his word, and you're going to learn so much about heaven. And if it's not in the word, it's because it's a surprise, guys. Don't you love surprises? And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful surprise for us. And he says, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body nourished and knit together, again, by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. The body grows. We go, what, what do we call it? Growing what? Growing pains. Sometimes growing is painful. But you know what? It's needed. It's needed and it strengthens us. You know, lately, I, you know, lately, actually, for a little while now, I know that I have knees, that I have a back, that I have, you know, before I didn't notice, you know, <laughs> but now I do. And, um, and my son recently was in a really bad accident, and um, really, really bad accidents. He, you know, his car was totally, but totally by every side. He hit the sides of the expressway. By a miracle of the Lord, nothing happened to him. But, you know, there is aches and pains now, and he sits, you know, on his computer, and he says, you know, because he has to work, he says, when I'm sitting, my back is hurting me, or, you know, my shoulder is hurting me. I said, yeah, that's how I feel almost every day, honey, you know? <laughs> but, you know, he's young. He didn't know he had a back. He didn't know he had shoulders, you know? I know. I've been noticing these things for a while now. So, it's, and it's, it says we're knit together, and Jesus calls us the body, right? We're the body of Christ. And we all have a different part in this body of Christ. But the, the, my arm cannot function by itself. If you cut it off, it can't function by itself. And I love my, my verse that I really, really love is John, you know, 15, 5, you know. Abide in him, and he will abide in you. And without him, you can do nothing. So if you are separated from the body... If you without him again, you can't do nothing. My arm can do nothing away from my body. So we need to be knit together in him. Remember that. I heard about 
um, the sequoia trees. I don't know if you guys heard about the sequoia trees. They're these giant trees, you know? And the roots are, you know, they spread out and they're knit together. And that's how they hold themselves strong. And there is strength in us being knit together in him, okay? There is strength. And it says, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men? These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion false humility and neglect of the body, but are no value against the indulgence of the flesh. And that's what I just told you, remember? They have all this, all oh, this philosophy and this, oh, we need to be inclusive and we need to be diverse and we need to be sensitive and we can say that word or we can, you know, um, but they lack the power to be sensitive. They're not sensitive. They can be mean if you just say something contrary to what they believe, you know? They're not sensitive. It's false humility, and it has no power against sin. Only the Lord, only his word, only his spirit can give us power against sin, okay? So again, let me just finish um, no philosophies, tradition of men, basic principles of the world gives us the power over sin. Only him can do that in us because he lives in us. So, it's, but the same thing can happen if you just study the word of God as head knowledge. It's amazing. It will not give you power unless you obey his word unless you are in prayer, unless, why? Because it's in him, it's the living words, not just the knowledge of memorizing uh, different verses and different scriptures. It's the knowledge, it's a relationship. It's the knowledge, it's not just like, I can know about, um, I, I don't know any actors and actresses, and I work for a TV station, you would think I know them, right? <laughs> But anyway, you know, you, you know, you can know about, you know, President Trump. You can read all about him and know all about him and know everything that he's done and about his companies, but you don't know President Trump. So you can know about the Bible, and there's people that go around quoting Bible verses better than I can, but they don't know the Lord. It's a relationship with the Lord. It's in him, in the living word, in his salvation. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you don't have, if you had never said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, that's the first thing we need to say, I'm a sinner and I need you, come into my heart. If you had never said that, you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior. And then what he does is he comes into your heart. That wisdom, that knowledge, all those treasures come inside of you. And this is the beautiful thing. That is what Judaism didn't give 
They didn't, they had all the rules and all the regulations, the Ten Commandments, but they didn't have Jesus living in them. So we have Jesus living in us, ladies. We have the treasures. So all we need to do is have a relationship with him. Not a religion, a relationship with the Lord. And I know you hear that in Calvary Chapel a lot. But we tend to forget what a relationship looks like. It's not the computer relationships that now they have, you know, social media. It's a relationship with him. It's, Lord, what a beautiful morning. It's I'm walking outside and I'm praying. Not because I'm in my bed there praying. No, but I'm walking outside and I'm praising the Lord, just looking at, at the trees. And, you know, I'm not praising his creation, but I'm praising the creator. And that is having a relationship with the Lord. It's like, Lord, thank you for lunch today. You're amazing. You know, you didn't have to do that. But thank you. And just the way he provides sometimes in miraculous ways, just the little miracles we see in our kids, you know, that he does in their lives. Just the little things sometimes, you know. I'm going to end with this. I used to sing a song and remember this also. Our faith is based in love, okay? This was self-imposed religion versus love the bound of perfection. And I know I'm stealing a little bit from chapter 3 here, but yes, that is the, that is the difference. This was self-imposed religion versus love the bound of perfection. That is our faith, love the bound of perfection. I used to sing this little song in Spanish that, used to, that said... Um, Dios es amor, la Biblia lo dice, Dios es amor. San Pablo lo repite, Dios es amor, dice. Búscalo y verás. En el capítulo 4, versículo 8, primera de Juan. En el capítulo 4, versículo 8, primera de Juan. This is an old little girl, my, my grandma used to teach me this little song, right? And it's God is love, and you can find it in chapter 4, verse 8, 1 John. 1 John, chapter 4 verse 8 and our relationship okay this all this other religion all these other philosophies all these other people that created these philosophies and religions they don't know love we know love and it's found in him so let us pray okay Thank you, Jesus, for giving us your word, for giving us yourself. Thank you, God, for giving us your son. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, too much to leave us the way we are. Lord, that you wanted to transform us. Transform us, Lord God. I pray, touch our hearts here, Lord God. Touch each person here, each lady here, each home, each son, each daughter, each husband here, Lord God, that is represented here by these ladies. I pray you touch them, Lord God, and I pray that you transform us with your word, that we, Lord God, will really understand how much you love us, Lord God, the love of a father that you have for us, Lord God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.